So this morning, if you'd like to open with me, we're going to start in John chapter 21 and verses 15 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd, my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. And say thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity. Would you just open up our hearts this morning? Would it be your words and not mine, God? And would you just speak to us as a church? Allow us to hear your voice today and learn to more look like more of love um, surrounded by you. It's your name we pray. Amen. So this summer, with our teens, we have kind of traveled through different concepts um, of the Christian walk of faith that we kind of felt are practices that we can use that um, all help us kind of build this good, solid foundation of building blocks uh, to set us forward into our relationship with God. So these four building blocks that we used were prayer, scripture, service, and community. And these are all really important practices, but there's one thing that all these practices kind of lead into that was really my goal behind all of this. And this is, um, the goal behind it was this, to love God and to love others better. I think behind everything that we've talked about, I've tried to mention every time we've met with our teens this summer, the goal behind all these practices that we do to grow closer to God is in order just to love God and love others better. So that's kind of what we're going to explore today. We're kind of just going to travel through what I've done with the teens this summer. So now you guys get a glimpse of what our youth group has been learning. Um, it'll be awesome. So this morning, we're going to start with looking at what does it look like to love God? So loving God can look many different ways between prayer, reading scripture, and sitting in stillness with God, and even just singing out our thanksgiving to God um, each day. But today, I'd like to go deeper than just these simple practices and actually look at what's the point of doing all these things in order to love God better. So I think at the root of loving God is relationship. At the, between reading scripture and doing prayer, behind all of this, the goal of it is to get to know God a little bit better and really discover what it looks like to be in a relationship with our God. So these verses from John uh, offer Peter a future relationship with Jesus. And it's a relationship after the resurrection. Um, these words are at the very end of John that we just read. And they are words that allow Peter, after denying Christ three times, and Christ died and he comes back, these words offer Peter a relationship with Jesus before Jesus is no longer with them physically. But this commission to Peter is not just, I believe, a commission words just for Peter. I believe there are words that probably Jesus wanted all the disciples to hear at that time. But also, I believe these are words that we are all called to live by today, to love God, and in order to do that, tend the sheep. But we must have a relationship with God first. So if you'd like, we're going to turn to another scripture passage. And to help us learn what it looks like to be in relationship with God, we're going to travel with the Israelites this morning. So we're going to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the Lord statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, 
that you might do to them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that all your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and home cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any other gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may be go and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give your fathers, by driving out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. So you may have noticed, as we're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 5 has the Ten Commandments. Um, I think we all know the Ten Commandments. Um, And then we have chapter 6. And so after the Ten Commandments, we have Moses trying to intercede between the Israelites and God. And so, within, throughout the book of Deuteronomy, there are a total of 613 commands, or laws, throughout the Old Testament, the first five books. But we can see a lot of them in the book of Deuteronomy. And if you're anything like me, you look at all 613 laws, and you wonder, what in the world do I do with these things? And also, do they still apply to me today? So first, I'd like to examine what exactly are the Israelites going through at this time. The Israelites are the first group of people trying to figure out what it means to follow the God, the Lord. So before this, the Israelites are in Egypt, and they're in slavery. Um, So pretty much the only thing they know is how the Egyptians live, the way of the Egyptian life. Um, The only gods they know are the gods that the Egyptians uh, serve. So when they hear about this God, they may have heard the stories of Abraham— this, this guy that maybe had this one God, but surely it was just one of these Egyptian gods we've heard of, was kind of just helping out Abraham, maybe. That's probably what I think the Israelites are probably thinking when they hear about those stories of Abraham, because they have no context to know what this one God is. The only thing they know is the Egyptian context. And so suddenly, this guy named Moses shows up, and he wants to free them from slavery, saying this, the God wants to free them from slavery. Now, what in the world is this? Like, the Israelites have been in slavery this whole time, and suddenly this God wants to free them. Now, that's a little confusing, probably, for the Israelites. If we were in their shoes, it probably would be for us, too, as well. Now, 
Then they get freed from slavery, they get on this journey, and they come to Mount Sinai. wanted to be with the people. Now what is this? This is a scary concept that the Israelites are facing now. This God that wants to be in their presence with them. And suddenly the Israelites just feel unworthy of this God. So they send Moses. They're like, hey Moses, you get to go to God, and you're going to tell us what, everything that God wants us to hear. And so you get to be this in-between guy. So that's where we get... Deuteronomy chapter 6. The people have no concept of God, and all they know are these distant stories that possibly they may have heard about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But God really wants to reveal God's self to these people. So God gives some rules and characteristics to the people to help them on their journey, on their way, of what it looks like to be in a relationship and to be in the presence of the Lord, the God, the one and only God. So God gives some rules to help the people start discovering more about this one true God. And this is where we end up with, in verse 4, the Lord says, The Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. God is calling the Israelites into something so much greater than just serving God. God is calling them into a relationship. God is calling them to figure out what it is truly to be more like God. God sets out these laws as baby steps for the Israelites to help create this new understanding. But then the Israelites, they get these laws and they fail. And then God's like, all right, that's all right. Here's some more laws. We're going to help you on your way. And the Israelites fail again. And we get this cycle. God calls the Israelites into something greater, something more to help them understand who God is. And then they fail. And really, this just keeps repeating through the whole entire Old Testament. We see the same narrative over and over and over again. God truly wanting a relationship with the Israelites, but they continue to go against what God has called them to do and decide to go on their own paths. And this is what we continue to see. But really, behind all of that, I really truly believe the only thing that God was really wanting was a relationship with the Israelites. And so we're going to look at what does it look like to be in a relationship with God? If God wanted the Israelites to be in a relationship with him, I believe that's the same for us today. We are called to be in a relationship with God. So what does that look like for us today? Well, simply, our relationship is getting to know someone, right? It has to be a mutual conversation, getting to know the other person, and that other person gets to know us. So we start by reading scripture. This summer, um, with our teens, we learned the first week that we got together, what does it look like to read scripture in a way that allows us to get, to get to know God more? So our questions we looked at when we read scripture, we challenged our kids to read it with three questions in mind. Who is God? What is God up to? And how can I apply this to today? How can I apply what I've learned about God in this story to today? So these questions start leading us to discover what is God's character and allow us to get to know our Creator in a little more of a deeper way than we may have before. These three questions might end up leading to more questions when we read the story, and that's okay. This also require, might require us to look at historical background, or diving in a little bit deeper of what does it look like in this story. But this is truly the root of how we, I believe we should read Scripture, allowing us to discover who is, what is God's character, who is this God, and what can I take from the story I have read, and apply it to today about now what I know more about God's character. And the other way we grow into a relationship with God is through conversation. 
and this is through prayer. So this summer, our students were led through different types of prayer, and they were a little bit different. We got uncomfortable together, and it was a lot of fun for me watching them like squirm in their seats when we did this. And uh, guess what? You get to do it today, and this is going to be really fun. So we've talked about, we talked about reading play- prayers out loud together. Well, we learned this summer that our kids really don't like to talk out loud, and that was fun. We learned how to do that. We also learned how to sit in just stillness and the complete quietness and allowing God just to speak to us without anything else on our mind. And then we also learned the practice of just reading other people's prayers by ourselves, allowing our day to start with these words that we might not be able to say ourselves, but other people have uh, written them out for us, that we can start asking God for more help and our guidance in life. So this morning, we're going to open up, and we're, gonna, we're just going to open up to a time of what it look like, looks like to be in a relationship with God. This sermon is going to be a little different, so we're going to enter into a time of practicing what it looks like to be in a relationship with God. So I'm going to read this prayer and help us center into this time of what it looks like to be in a relationship. Now let's pray together as a church. Here we go. Lord, help us to live this day quietly and easily, to lean on your great strength trustfully and respectfully, to wait for the unfolding of your will patiently, serenely, to meet others peacefully and joyfully, to face tomorrow confidently and courageously. Amen. So this is, this is a prayer that I gave our students at the beginning of the summer just to start their day, to simply just start their day getting to understand that our day is centered on God and nothing else. And so this prayer, I uh, encourage them and challenge them just to make your day the first two minutes of your day. Just read this prayer and center yourself on God and let, let, let us lead them in the rest of their day of what it looks like to serve God through the rest of the day. So now that we have read this prayer together as a church, I want to enter into the second thing that we looked at with our students, which is simply sitting in stillness with God. Now it's really hard, I think, as a people to just sit in stillness without anything else going on in our minds. Often when we sit by ourselves with our, just our thoughts, um, if you're anything like me, your thoughts just start rolling and rolling and rolling, and you just don't ever end up in the right spot usually. So we challenged our kids. We led them through this meditative prayer where we just simply offered up all the stresses and all of our thoughts and all the things that may have been distracting us for our day. We offered them up to God, and then we just sat in stillness. Because when we do this, this allows God to speak to us. A relationship doesn't only work when we all, we're the only ones speaking to God. A relationship happens when we also allow God to speak to us. And we're listening intently to what God might have for us. So I'd like to do that. Today as a church, we're going to enter into a time where we're just going to sit and allow God to have his way. So I'd like you just to close your eyes. I'm going to pray over us real quick. And then we're just going to enter into a time of sitting with God. God, we offer up this time. Would you just take away all the thoughts, anxieties, stresses, and challenges that they may have for us? Would we just lift it up to you, God? And would you just settle upon us today, right now? In a time of stillness, and would you speak to your people in a mighty way? Have your way in the next few moments.
All right. So that's only a few minutes, or a few seconds, really. But this is what we've challenged our teens, even just to start with a couple seconds each day, to allow God to speak to them and start this mutual conversation between them talking to God and God talking to us as a people. And then the third thing we challenge our students with is reading out other people's prayers. Like I said earlier, reading other people's prayers, sometimes we just don't know what to say to God. Um, and other people have written out things that might challenge us to say things to God we may have never thought of saying to God before. And that's good. It challenges us, us to start revealing our feelings and letting God challenge us in a way we never thought may be possible. So we're going to read out loud together as a family uh, a prayer that I have up on the board. It's going to be really small, so I mean, try your best. I'm sorry about that. But if you'd like to stand, and we're going to pray this prayer, if you're able, uh, together. So here we go. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. You may be seated. So this prayer beautifully transitions us into the next half of the sermon, which is loving others. It is one thing to practice loving God, but that practice of loving God must also flow through us and also impact our lives in a way that challenges other people, that other people can start seeing the love of God through us. So this morning, to help us learn what it looks like to love God, I'm going to read a few verses from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. And it says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive something back. But love your enemies, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will know the sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So, in Deuteronomy, we saw the beginning stages for the Israelites of what loving God is. And it was discovering the character of God for the Israelites. That was the first step for them to start discovering this relationship with God. But now Jesus comes, and in Luke, we are challenged with a whole new set of laws. Those laws, yeah, they were good for the Israelites, but Jesus comes and says, you know what? I want you to do more than just follow these simple commands. Those commands might be good, but I'm here to break those and challenge you to do something more than that. 
yes, I want you to come into a relationship with me, but greater than that, I want you to live out love to those around you. So that's what we're challenged with, I believe, today as a church. Jesus challenges those around him to stop being so content on the laws that were written for the people of many generations. But before them, who had very little concept, he challenged them with a new task, and which is to love God and be relational people. So I'd like to take some time this morning, just like we did with loving God, uh, what it looks like to love others today for us as a church. Many of us believe that we must wait for Jesus to come back. Many of us might believe that we have to uh, do something, this big grand volunteer or start some organization in order to help people or in order to bring about peace. We feel like we have to do something, this big, big, big picture idea or believe that we must wait for Jesus to come back to bring about peace. But I tell you, many of us, A, don't have time to go and volunteer a bunch of big places and try to help do these big picture ideas. And also, we don't actually have to wait for Jesus to bring about peace to this world. So, what does this look like? Well, before Jesus goes to be with the Father, he leaves us all with the command to go and make disciples. But I'd like to challenge us today, when we read that command at the end of Matthew, read it with an extra word. Read it as, as you go, make disciples. You don't need to go anywhere far, and you don't need to start doing some big volunteer work in order to make a difference. No, we simply just need to keep an eye out through our daily lives. Um, having an eye out frequently to help a person who often seems overly stressed. Uh, something this might look like is also just simply frequently checking on that person who just seems that they just really don't have it all together very often. This is what it looks like. It can also look like loving others also looks like asking that parent who is constantly just running on fumes with a loving attitude, is there anything I can do? Um, it can even be as simple as going up to your neighbor and bring their kids home from school with your kids and letting them stay a little uh, extra couple hours until they can get home from work. This is what love begins to look like as a church family. Loving others doesn't need to be complicated. It just simply needs to be noticing others. However, loving others doesn't magically happen. If I walk up to my neighbor and I've never met the dude before and I ask, can I bring your children home from school? Well, that's a little creepy. I'm going to be honest, guys. So, uh, First, we need to have a relationship with people, right? It takes having a relationship with people before we can ever start having an impact on people. So as a church, I challenge us to go and start making relationships with people. Jesus was able to help so many people because he simply just kept an eye out and decided to be a relational person to those around him. The ability to love others first starts with getting to know God's love for us, and then from that love, we overflow to the people around us. Loving God and loving others, they can't be separated. They go hand in hand. And I truly believe from the outside perspective into the church, other people will see loving God as loving others. The outside perspective of others, is, or for people outside the church, is loving others. That's what it looks like to love God. So what kind of impact on this world would happen if the church started loving those around him? And showing the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that God has set out for us. And with that translated into our own lives to those around us. Many of you have probably uh, at least heard of this guy I'm going to flip up on the screen of Mr. Rogers. So uh, I found this article about Mr. Rogers and about his leadership that I found very helpful to us as today for a church. 
And this article read, As leaders, we are often tempted to believe that our lasting impact will be on our outputs, the things we do that are quantifiable, measurable, or easy to remember. But our genuine lasting impact will be on the outcomes we leave behind, the people who were transformed by what we did. Mr. Rogers left behind significant accomplishments that can be easily measured, but he's remembered for is how those accomplishments changed the lives of people. What will your lasting impact be as a leader? Will it simply be a list of achievements, or will it be a legacy of people who are changed by what you achieve? Being a leader of lasting impact begins by shifting our focus from self to service, by becoming a leader who turns success into significance. There's a good chance that you have people within your influence today who would benefit from the value you could add to them. So go add value. Be generous with your time and wisdom. Be willing to help someone who can't return the favor. Be available to listen when someone wants to talk. Most of all, be intentional about, what, about doing something for someone today to add value to them in a way that will outlive both the action itself and your own lifetime. Leadership with lasting impact begins one day, one life at a time. That's the end of the quote. So many of us will probably never realize the impact we've had on so many people. But I truly believe that the one thing that all of us are most desperately in need of is the love of Jesus. And that starts with how we love others today. Church, the sermon doesn't actually ever end. And now you're just thinking, great, this guy's going to talk the rest of the day. No, I'm not. Unfortunately, uh, I will stop talking. Maybe that's good for you. But uh, the thing I want to challenge you with is that the, after the sermon, we go and start practicing what it looks like to go and love others. It can simply start when you leave today, and maybe if you go out to lunch, simply how you start to love your waitress and love those around you in your conversations at the restaurant. And then from that love, other people can start seeing what it looks like to love God. And so let's recap real quick. It all starts with loving God. We must have a relationship with God and allow God to pour into us because of this relationship. And then from that love God has for us, we must overflow into the people around us. And it all starts with one person and one life at a time to start seeing the love of God through us as a people. So we're going to end today. I'm going to invite the worship team up and we're going to sing a new song today. And uh, but I truly believe that this song can become the anthem for us as a church today. I'm going to read a few lyrics as they're coming and making their way forward. And the song says this, Your kingdom is simple, as simple as love. You welcome the children, and you stop for the one. We want to see people the way Jesus does. Your kingdom is simple. Lord, teach it to us. And the chorus goes like this, Hallelujah, hallowed be your name. May we live and breathe your praise. And hallelujah, let all creation say, O the King of heaven reigns. So church, may we become people that are so in love with God that we can't just help but loving others as well. May we live into the command that Jesus gave Peter. And may our response today be the call from Jesus to go and tend and feed the lambs. Mm-hmm.